welcome to the Play Practice Formula Podcast. I'm your host, BJ Mumford, owner of Play Practice Basketball and the Seacoast Hoops Lab based in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I'm excited to launch this podcast as a platform to share my thoughts, ideas, and frameworks for helping your youth basketball player transform from uncertain participant to decisive competitor. We get results in as little as 30 minutes with our target age group of 10 to 14 year olds that want to play high school basketball. Toby Tay, who are you and what you do with your basketball practice? My name is BJ Mumford. I've been coaching basketball for 18 years and I live in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, where I have a business called Play Practice Basketball. And we specialize in helping 10 to 14 year old players that want to play high school basketball build the skill set they need to be successful at that level. Okay. So, uh, BJ, the, the, obviously, usually this is the first question. It's when you get touch, in touch with Tag Teacher and uh, how do you start using Tag Teacher in your work? Yeah, so I found it through my wife, actually, who's a veterinarian and was familiar with Karen Pryor's work and found Tag Teach. And that was back in 2015, so eight years ago now. Uh, in 2017, I really started using Tag Teach. I did my level one certification and started with the, the youngest age kids, so you know, pre-kindergarten to second grade in the schools themselves. So after school kind of enrichment program with basketball where mm -hmm. they couldn't process instructions at their age. And so Tag Teach was really the tool I was looking for at that point to make, you know, basketball skill training productive with the really young kids. Okay. Um, yeah. So really, you know, starting with, starting with those youngest kids, you know, finding the, the power of tag teach, I went on to do my level two certification and then, uh, you know, started expanding the, the method to all age level players from, you know, toddlers and, you know, three-year-olds all the way up to college-level basketball players. How your every every learners of yours, so every from the kindergarten to university or college students, uh, how do they uh, get uh, get the feeling of that teacher? Uh, did you have uh, did, did they find it helpful for them for the basketball skill? Or do you have any trouble introducing Tagdich with them? No, I really didn't have any trouble. It was it was more of a you know mental obstacle in my own head originally. You know, trying to uh, present that method to parents, you know, as the way we were going to do things. And really coming out of uh, coming out of 2020 when we had you know the pandemic and we're not doing anything in person, I did some remote coaching using tag teach you know, or it was really the only way to get the point across without being there to demonstrate. And um, I think coming out of that is where I kind of invented or created a curriculum and decided like we are going to make tag teach just the official way that we give instructions. And, okay. you know, everyone's gone along with that without question, you know, since that point. The question, now you get me curious, when, when you told us that uh, uh, the, the difficulty of introducing tactics was more for you because you have to change or adapt your way of, 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 of coaching rather than to, for, for, your, for, for your kids or, or your athletes. So what, what was that with you? So what was happening in your mind? What was, was changing from before and after 
the implementation of Tag Teach. Yeah, I think it was, um, like I said, kind of obstacle in my mind. You know, a yeah. lot of the, the stigma around, you know, the clicker training that everybody talks about, you know, you're going to clicker train my child like you do my dog. You know, I think I had that built up in my mind, you know, but when people haven't seen coaching done that way, they really don't know, you know, they have no connection with the, uh, with the dog training side of things. They just think you're doing amazing things with basketball. And so <laughs> I guess over, over time, you know, it's kind of able to prove the, the effectiveness of it. And, you know, I think those, the biggest thing for me was really just putting the putting the limitation on myself to say instructions in five words or less and okay. you know following the wolf method and that really uh, accelerated my coaching effectiveness and you know allowed me to be more confident expanding that to more and more players okay thank you okay so which and these uh, these um you developing your skills as as a, as a teacher as a coach and you developing your curriculum uh, as a coach brings me to ask you about the the one of of, of the things that we uh, we share in our chat before so you when we have uh, talked about this interview you gave me three concepts that, that I would love you to share with the uh, with the audience and the first of the three concept is that uh, what you are doing with your learners now and it's uh, that you are uh, um, helping them to learn how to learn what is that for a basketball yeah. player um, so yeah I guess my background was being homeschooled my whole life and so I really created a, a great skill of being able to learn anything that I want to and, you know, being a self-motivated and, you know, very capable learner. And I often find with the average kids in school that they are not working on that type of skill set. They are, you know, reciting back by rote memorization what they're learning in school to pass a test. Okay. And so I think our, our whole approach of using Tag Teach is conducive to helping them learn how to learn. How do they feel about uh, getting able to uh, uh, to learn how to learn? Which are the feedbacks that you get from them? What do you see? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's very subtle. Like we don't uh, we don't tell them that we're setting out explicitly to help them learn how to learn. It's more of the uh, the very detailed approach. You know how we uh, how we build context. So I guess the big picture would be. We take the whole part whole method and we actually call it in basketball terminology, we call it play, practice, play. And why our business is called play practice. We take, uh, you know, we take the actual game situation that's going on and then we break down all the detailed parts that are, that need to happen in that situation and basically build out the whole, you know, the whole puzzle or the whole picture for them. And so it's it's very it's very um, I guess in the background implicit approach that they are learning how to learn just by doing, and even though they don't know it at the time. Let me ask you this: so you mentioned that uh, uh, you take the, the the whole game, the, the every situation or, or that could happen in a basketball game, and uh, you break it all the situation down, and you present them one by one or like that to your learner until to your learners until they can uh understand and know what to do in that situation uh, which uh, brings me to ask you how 
how much in your uh, in one of your training session is for practice and how much is for uh, for drill meaning so you know, the, the drill is to you explain them what is the situation and you give the, the general information maybe you give them the tag point and then you get to get them practice so there is the, these two, two two components in the time that you are using with your students how big is one and how big is the other yeah, so we uh, we basically keep it as evenly balanced as possible, you know, roughly 50-50 of both. And, uh, you know, competing, especially in a, in a small group setting, which is kind of the, the best environment for that. But we do some simulations in even, you know, one-to-one -one training with one coach and one player. But, uh, you know, roughly 50-50. So we'll start with play and kind of identify where the player needs to work on a skill and then... We'll go right into that skill because it's kind of at that point a solution to the problem they just experienced. And then we'll go back to play right afterwards to try to make that piece fit into, you know, the live competition again. Okay. Uh, BJ, did you tell that, uh, uh, so when they are playing, your group is playing two, three, uh, and you see uh, something that you want to improve. Uh, this is for the whole group or this is for one learner, for one athlete or for both? Yeah, so I guess uh, from a lot of experience, I typically know what I'm looking for. Like I know based on the, the situation that we are setting up to play for, like what we call constraint-based coaching, like we're, we're limiting certain factors so that there's only going to be a few options available. And based on that, we kind of know where they're going to have trouble where they're going to need help and where they're going to need to break down the skill. So we're going to put them in the game intentionally to let them experience the problem. And then we're going to go address that problem, break it down. So typically it's for the whole group. Um, okay. There are cases where we'll, you know, take a one learner aside if they need, you know, specific help with something that the whole group does not, but typically it's the whole group. So in all of the, that's a framework, where do you use tactics? On the how, yeah. So in that, yeah, in the uh, in the group setting, we're typically making a tag point for each player, and we play a lot of what's called small-sided games. So two on two or three on three. We don't really play five on five very often, just because the players need a simplified version in order to learn more easily. And okay. so we are creating a. Uh, you know, creating a decision point, essentially, which I know we talked about on our, our preview call yes. of the, you know, decision-making, what I call two moves in a queue. And basically, we'll, we'll limit the constraints again down to two options that the player is going to have, and then we bring their attention to a queue on how to decide between those two options. Okay. So, and this, uh, this leads us to, to our ne next point, which is, uh, you mentioned the, the, the decision. So, uh, how, how much important is uh, uh, for, for a basketball player to be able uh, to, uh, to decide correctly in the most of, of, uh, of, of the situation in a game? So, yeah, so it's very, very important. I see uh, one of the biggest uh, struggles that young players have, especially, is being indecisive, you know, uncertain of what to do. Even if they have very good skills, you know, not knowing when 
or where to execute those skills is one of the big struggles they have. And so, you know, working on simplifying decision-making, you know, what I've come to call binary decision-making or two moves in a queue, having a, having a default option, like in this situation, you know, option A is always correct. And then we introduce the tag point comes in with a queue where it's like, yeah. if the queue is present, then you take option B and yeah. keeping it as simple as only two options really accelerates that ability to make a decision quickly. Okay. Uh, that this is just brilliant. I was mentioning, BJ, the two move and the queue. Yes, the, I, I'm saying that correctly. Yeah. So exactly Correct. what is this? Yeah, so the the most common situation that a player is in in basketball is catching a pass with the option to shoot or to attack the basket. And that's where a lot of players get stuck and they're indecisive. You know, what, what I've looked at is as many as seven options could be available to them if they, you know, they shoot, they dribble with their right hand or they dribble with their left hand or they pass to any of their four teammates. You know, that gives us seven options and it's way too many to make a quick decision. Okay. And so I've narrowed their focus down to just shoot or drive. And again, the, the binary part of this is like on off switch. We want to shoot always every time we're open and then the defender's hand becomes our cue. If the defender's hand is up, being in our vision, you know, near our ball, then mm -hmm. we're going to drive to the basket instead. Yes. Okay. That, that That's amazing. I think that this is just brilliant because uh, uh, <laughs> we... <laughs> no, let me let, let me share my, my idea. Is As a teachers, we are not so... Uh, keen we we miss this 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 step we we miss that the discrimination level which is okay you, you call it the decision but the discrimination level what i'm going to do with that this single thing we we take uh, so many things for granted and we ask to our basketball player or to our students at school to do things that they don't know how to decide they don't know how to handle right right yes right. exactly uh, let me ask you another a last thing about this decision making teaching. Uh, how do you so you started uh, by uh, putting your uh, your athlete into a binary situation? If your opponent is with the uh, with the as the raised hand, you drive to the basketball. If not, you shoot something like that. How do you move from this right. uh, first level of uh, of learning to the more complex uh, level, which is the game, where there is many things going on. You don't have just the opponent with the hands up and down. You have uh, other four opponents and you have other four teammates ready to play. Maybe a better options uh, if you if you give them the opportunity. All right. Um, so I guess there's a lot of factors there, but. Um, I guess the, the base starting point is kind of taking the 80-20 principle and working on the things that happen most frequently so that there's leverage. You know, if you're, you're good at the skill that happens 20 times a game, it's okay if you're bad at the skill that happens once per game, right? 
And uh, yes. so that situation we just talked through of, you know, catching a pass with the option to shoot or drive happens very frequently. So if a player gets really good at creating advantage is kind of the outcome that I look at. Like they're either shooting a wide open shot as an advantage or they're driving past one defender and basically making the game five on four if they drive past that one defender. And then okay. what I've talked about at chat chat con and what uh, I'm going to talk about with Joan next week on our another presentation is what I call the decision tree, which kind of takes this framework and expands it so that when you oh. drive to the basket, you're then looking for the next cue that's going to change your mind from going all the way to the basket and score. It might be to pass. It might be to change direction with a dribble and, yeah. you know, each, each stage of that, each branch of that decision tree, you know, has another decision point with two more options. Right. What is your player's confidence index? Find out at confidenceindex.scoreapp.com. So, uh, before we close, let, 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 let me talk about another very, very important thing that uh, I found in your work uh, and is uh, building skills starting from decisions. Uh, so you, you told me about the, 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 this, yes, this skill that you're teaching to your, to your learner and how is, this is, is important and uh, not only for your basketball players, but I think for every learner. Quindi, yeah, so I like to call it building skills downstream from decisions. And so kind of combining that with what we just talked about, the binary decision making, and you know, following a similar principle, I was actually just remembering that it was an Italian economist, uh, Vilfredo Pareto, that came up with the, the Pareto principle is the 80-20 rule. Um, yeah. But the, uh, the, same, the same concept here, you know, where we could work on a thousand different skills, but, you know, the 20% of those skills that happen the most frequently in game is where we can really make the most progress, have the most leverage. And so when we're working through the decision framework, we're finding what are the most common decisions. And then based on our, our two best options we identified coming out of that decision, what are the skills we need to execute that decision? And, you know, we can build a lot of layers, a lot of branches of the decision tree and a lot of skills that go along with each branch. But yeah. just having that framework and getting players to understand the context of the game where the decision is before they have to work on the skill dramatically increases their motivation to practice the skill because they know how it's going to be used. Yes, that, 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 that's just brilliant. Um, I'm thinking about the, the, this concept uh, and I will keep thinking, for, I think, for, for months. <laughs> So thank you very much, BJ, because uh, <laughs> it's, I think it's something very, very, uh, I think useful for every, every kind of learning. Uh, we talk a lot about uh, also in, uh, in animal training about discrimination. So it's basically so knowing what to do in that situations. And uh, I think it's something so overlooked in, uh, in our general learning that uh, your approach is it's, it's life changing. That, 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 that's my idea. That's my personal opinion. What, uh, uh, let, let's go back for, for, for a final second, then I ask you 
to the participants if they have there is any questions let me go back for one second to tactic and and asking you uh, let me ask you in the whole process uh, from uh, the the binary decision to the the three the three uh, framework decisions making and uh, to the um, teaching the skills actually teaching the skills where is that teach do you mm. have a specific tag points do you have already a, a program that so the clients uh, uh, for that skills and in yeah. these these tag points or we are just uh, like dot marketing is doing or you're like more like me and uh, I see what's happening and then I got the tag point so I guess my the way I like to describe it is the the science of coaching with tag teach is studying your uh, studying your situation that you're going to be working in and knowing ahead of time what the best most likely most useful or effective tag points are just based on you know volume of experience i think over time and that's really where our curriculum is is you know the the written down checklist of tag points that we've established over time based on mm -hmm. the situational skill that we're working on and then the other side the art of coaching is improvising new tag points specific to that learner and uh yeah. what i've what i've started talking about lately or just a, a new concept or way to think about it for myself has been the idea of high definition skills where a lot of coaching is done in a vague or blurry mm. kind of picture for the learner and what we do is provide high definition and we can actually zoom in you know an infinite amount however small of a piece we need to zoom in on for the learner yeah. to master technique yeah. we can do so you can like, like the, for, again the science, the, no, science uh, the science framework grips and then the art is zooming in as needed yeah so i was translating your 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 question your um yes your answer and i was thinking about that uh, with the zooming in you you intend that you can move uh, let's say that you are we are talking about the the, the free shot uh you can teach them uh, to a general level like uh, the, the the placement of the of the feet and the body position and uh, and how high you want to raise your hand but then you can start micro zooming in and start teaching where mm -hmm. you want the position of, of the thumb uh, where if you want them to check the the lines on the balloon and um position the, the the thumb and the finger in a specific position and all these sort of things which yeah, is brilliant exactly and yeah and it really you know over time i've narrowed down the list to like seven or eight tag points for shooting at the free throw line something we definitely do all the time and yeah. you know i kind of go through based on what i'm seeing from the player like i'll pick which one to start from but you know generally similar progression for each athlete as they're improving and yeah. you know, in, in 10 minutes, I can get them to have seven perfect pieces of their free throw, and they're starting to make shots, even if they were never making them before. It's, uh, yeah, which is just like mind-blowing for them, right? Right. Yeah, and mind-blowing for parents, you know, watching that process. <laughs> with, you know, a, a they've seen or to... they've tried to help their players learn for years in some cases they'll talk about you know we tried to get him to make his free throws for three years and you know in three minutes we got we it solved okay um before i forgot the okay first of all thank you so much it's it's time that we uh, wrap up uh, because 
yes, I think I, I mentioned uh, that uh, you are providing us ideas and materials for more than one interview. So I, I, I could keep talking for the whole day, but uh, sure. I want it, it was just great. Um, so thank you very much for uh, for your time and for your uh, sharing your expertise with us. It's I, I do really find that it's it's just a brilliant approach to not only to basketball but to learning in general i have i do have a question before we wrap up and it's from joan she's asking how are you training your coaching staff on target teach because i yes we, you mm. have a, a staff that uh and how are they doing with that so you don't have only your yeah. your players but yeah great question um, I guess similar, similar to our, uh, similar to our players, which I didn't really mention the, the, uh, the hybrid part of our curriculum is that we have a video, uh, before each session they're on the court for the players, but for the coaches, we have a video course as well, where they're basically studying the concepts we're going to use and the tag points and, you know, definitely educating them on the tag teach method. You know, we kind of start uh, first week of hiring someone, we get them to go do the the free introduction to tag teach video so that they have at least that concept in mind. And then we're, we're working toward getting all of our staff certified. Um, but, uh, you know, right now they have, they have other commitments, so they haven't been able to get through it. But some of our younger coaches college age have been, uh, you know, getting that done. And so, you know, working toward saying that we have a staff that's completely tag teach certified for all of our staff members is a goal I have. Um, right. And then, you know, essentially it's, uh, it's giving them, you know, giving them a tag point such as, um, you know, reinforce preci precisely when the player executes a skill. So a tag point for a coach would be, you know, tag that skill, essentially. Tag that skill. And, you know, I'm watching, watching for, you know, how precisely are they saying yes? And, you know, how well, how good is their timing? How good is their positioning on the court to see the skill precision? Right. And, you know, how well are they doing with saying yes and only yes? Because, you know, we all fall into saying more words than necessary and changing yes. the tone and, you know, all that. I think we are done. And, uh, yes, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to your next uh, webinar uh, next week, right? Yeah, yes. next Thursday. So I will just thank you, BJ, uh, for your time and for your uh, explanation for your interview today. It was really, really awesome. And I will see you next week. Okay. All right. Thanks for having me. Look. Thank you. Thank you very much, BJ. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Reach out to us at info at playpracticebasketball.com or you can give us a call at 603-932-5893. That's it. I'll see you on the court.